Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoyed the message. We've been going through prayer and fasting a lot lately. I'm not going to ask who's doing it, because you might have cheated, you might have failed. I did. I was... I was, uh, where was I? It was Saturday, and I was, and the devil was tempting me with buffalo wild wings, so I went, and I was going to eat the celery. Who eats the celery at buffalo wild wings? That's just ridiculous. But, but I couldn't do it. I, I literally, I literally could not look away from the buffalo wild wings, so I had to eat any type of wings that I could. <laughs> so, so I did cheat. So don't feel like you're a failure because you cheated, or if you're fasting social media that you were on it. Trust me, I've. I, I cheated on my fast already, <laughs> um, but but we're still going through prayer and fasting. I think these two messages next week can really speak to you guys in a way if you're willing to receive it, because these two messages are going to involve deeper things, because prayer and fasting a lot of the times gets you close to God, but it helps you receive breakthrough wherever you're needing it at, and I think these two messages, I hope you can receive it in a way because the Lord had really been dealing with these two topics for me, and I hope you can receive it as well. And obviously, if you're not taking notes, just just lean in and pay attention, not just with your ears, but with your spiritual ears. Matthew chapter 17 is going to be my my theme for tonight for this message. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. If you have your phone, turn to it. If not, the screen will assist you. Matthew 17 verse 1 says this, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the sun. And with them was Moses and Elijah. If you don't know who those two are, you got the guy who parted the Red Sea, and then you got that guy who called down fire from heaven. Pretty cool dudes. But, um, but, but he was speaking with both of them, uh, Verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am very well pleased. Listen to him. The title of my message is Holy Drip. Holy Drip drip. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, I have prepared this for you. I have tried to perfect it as much as I can, but Lord, only you can speak through me and only you can help them receive what they need to receive. So Lord, use my mouthpiece as your voice and let it speak through fluently with clarity. And I pray that their ears are open and their hearts are ready to receive. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, Who knows what drip means? Man, you're uncultured. The, d- drip. So, so the 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 title came from a playlist we made a while back called "Holy Drip." When I first started here, and I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, ah, it's a pretty cool title. But um, but but for some of us who don't know what drip is, let me educate you for a second, all my all my American people. But um, but but drip means something that's expensive and valuable. So, like for example, to all my to all my hip hop lovers in here, you got tons of people. Literally, nothing. No one but rappers wear 
chain and, and, and like like that's what drip is like chain watches sneakers all that stuff you got a you got a ton of rappers wearing uh wearing all that stuff you know you got like drake the baby you got playboy cardi you got travis scott they all wear a ton of of stuff there's there's what's that one song uh what's that song? one song by lil by lil yachty what's that song Trust me, I'm not educating y'all to listen to this. But he was, but he says, but he, but okay, I hate mumble rappers. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't like them. Like one of them was saying, like, uh, get your drip, what your bitch drip is get. Like you can't understand them. Literally, literally, Playboy literally made my cousin write because my cousin hates mumble rapping and he literally imitated the exact same sound as the rapper and I thought it was hilarious because it's legit. But, but he, but he said, like, uh, uh, you drip, you got drip, I can drip, drip, you get drip, like all this stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, <laughs> but, um, but that's what drip is, you know, it's, it's, it's ice, it's, it's all that stuff, that's what the culture calls it, right? Well, I want to look at drip in a different light because I think Jesus was dripping in some way, shape, or form. I hope y'all know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I think some of y'all know where I'm going with this. It's obvious. It's obvious. But 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 I can I can say this in 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 our culture term. Jesus was literally dripping holiness when he got transfigured. And he was literally dripping the holiness. So like he was you know wearing his his gold chain. He was wearing his what's that? They got a Gucci. No uh, no 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 no. It's not a Gucci uh, man. Ba- not a man bag. A fanny pack. Fanny pack. I was thinking of a fanny pack. And they got. He had this like, you know, strap and stuff like that. He had a little fanny pack. But 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 Jesus was literally the first human light bulb. Think about it. Shun like the sun. And it, literally his clothes were as white. Like that's 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 glowing material, right? And and I and I realized that when when I read when I read the text, I, I thought of that, I thought about us. Not in the way, obviously, we can't glow like a light bulb. You know how cool that would be? If you could do that right now, you're, I'm getting out of church. <laughs> I'm leaving right away. But, um, but, but, but in a sense of the context of, of us being holy and all that stuff. Because people get it wrong now. Because people will, will, will blame Christians that, that think not, not just holy, but holier than thou. That's what they label us with. And... And not all, obviously not all Christians are like that, but some of them can show that image. And and for some of us, there are people that act holier than thou, but there are also people that are actually living in the holiness of the Lord, the presence of God. And I wanted this message to be on the sole focus of us basically dripping holiness. Because here's the thing about what the word drip means. It's expensive, it's valuable, and it can be noticed by people. That's what drip is. And I think it's the same term with holiness in our lives. When we're in the presence of God, when we're living the lifestyle of Christ, it, it, it can show people that it's, that it's, well, first off, it's not expensive. It's basically free with Jesus. But, but, but with, with how valuable it is, and we can be noticed by people with it. So I want to dedicate this message to, are you dripping the holiness that God has in your life? I had another story, uh, this one preacher had talked about how his son, because he has a jewelry drawer, he has a bunch of necklaces and all that, and his son uh, was in junior high, and and he walked he walked into his closet with his sons, like crouched like a hermit, and grabbing all of his jewelry out of his jewelry box and putting it all on him. He was like, "What are you doing?" 
why you got all this? Why you took all my jewelry out of my out of my drawer? And he was saying, Dad, I want to wear this to school. I wanted to wear this to the first day of school because I want to go dripping. Dripping. And I'll, and he was like, get out of here, you goof. Give me, give me my jewelry box. I'm putting that back in there. And it, it, show, it shows me that not, not just dripping with what you wear, but dripping of who lives inside of you. And, and, and that's what holiness does is that it can be noticed, not just in who just you are, but what you do. And I realize there's some things in our life that kind of hit that rocky road of not being able to really drip holiness. So I want to show you three things. One of them, the first one is a fact. This will obviously stop your holiness with the Lord, but the other two are from experience. And I hope you can relate to those other two, but we're going to talk about the three things in my life that I had to realize that stopped me from dripping holiness. Point number one is sin. Point number one is sin. Sin is the main, I'm going to tell you right now, the main hindrance of you dripping holiness, 110%. Because, because, because the Bible says that sin separates us from God, so that means we get separated from the holiness of Him. And so when that happens, there's a huge separation gap that we have to get back to. But I realized something because we always look at just sin as, as right from wrong, right? Just sin is wrong. And I asked someone, someone told me that. It's like, sin's just wrong. And I said, why is it wrong? He said, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And there's no explanation to why. Because if you don't give an explanation of something, people will test waters. And I think that's a big thing that we don't explain why. And I also realized something else about sin. Sin can be a pleasurable thing, obviously, because it's pleasurable to the flesh. But I've realized something about sin. Sin can also become a need in your life. It can also become something that that you go to when you're overwhelmed or you go to it when you're feeling very, very stressed. I, I realized that, and, and some of y'all, I mean, some of y'all know my uh, testimony, but, but, but pornography wasn't something that I just went to at first that was pleasurable. Not at first, uh, at first, yeah. But when I was upset, when I was angry, when I was celebrating something, I went to it. I went to it because it met a need that wasn't really a need and it led to a greater bondage because it was secretly trying to feed a need that it wasn't even filling to begin with. So it stopped me when I should have realized that God had a great, met a greater need for me. But no, sin, that's what sin does. Sin doesn't look like, sin is basically trash. If I showed you trash on the ground right here, right? rat residue or something like that, you would think it's disgusting. You wouldn't even step towards it. But if I cover it with something like nice or cover it and like spray like perfume or cologne on it and I covered it with something nice and I didn't tell you what it was, then you would, you would like it, right? That's how the devil does it. He shows us how sin looks pleasurable when really it just leads to death. And so sin is the main thing that holds us back from holiness because it doesn't just separate you it affects you in a way this affected sin in my life affects my, my me myself it affects the people around me and it affects my relationship with god and it separates me and it keeps me in a in a in an isolated place and i'm going to talk about chains next week actually 
But 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 see, that's what sin does. It keeps you in a chain and it looks good at first, but then it keeps you in a bondage. That's how it does. Sin in a way for our flesh meets a need that only lasts for five minutes. It only lasts for five minutes. Maybe it might last you for a day, but it lasts only a short time. But I want to show you something about, about God. By the grace and the mercy of the Lord, we can be forgiven and it's sufficient enough to cleanse us. But here's the thing about, about grace and mercy. Grace and mercy are not the same. Mercy is your sins are forgiven. But grace is go sin no more. That's what grace is. Grace is the empowerment to push you forward out of the sin that you're dealing with. And that leads towards repentance. Now, we get repentance wrong. We think repentance just means that we're saying sorry or that we've weeped about it because I've done that. I've weeped to God. I said, God, take this sin away. Take it away. Take it away. And I've cried about it because it was affecting my life. But the Lord revealed to me, it's not just you just saying something. It's you doing something. It's you doing something about it. Because the grace is the empowerment so that you can push forward to do it. That's the empowerment of grace and repentance. Paul said that repentance is the changing of the mind. That's what he says. It's rethinking differently. And that causes you to act upon it. So if I've learned, okay, this is bad. I need to turn from it. I can just think that. But as I change my mind, my mind makes me do stuff because I think about it and then I do it. So if you think about turning away, you'll eventually turn away. And I want to show you this in 1 Samuel. Because I think David has perfect examples of sin and repentance. This isn't in the context of sin and repentance, but it's a good illustration. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 28 through 31. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? With whom did you leave a few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down to only watch the battle. Sibling rivalry, bro. That's literally what I thought of. I thought of Matt for some reason. But, um, but, but, but what's crazy, we learn this in school. We learn this in a, in a theological school, how you can, in the Bible, you can actually relate other names to other words. Like Aaron, they had Aaronites. For this one, I thought Eliab was very close to Goliath, if you think about it. Goliath, Eliab. It's like a fake, almost like a fake version of Goliath in a way. Because it was a battle that was put in front of David, and it was a fake battle that he couldn't even pass because he was called to defeat Goliath, but he couldn't get there. Why? Because something was in the way. And I think a lot of times we have the enemy will show us a battle that isn't even the real one to where, to where we're not even supposed, we're not even going to fight something that we're supposed to defeat. And that's what was happening. He was enticing Eliah. He was enticing David. I think he's moving. I got it. It This happens with a lot of us. That the enemy will show us and entice us with a temptation. David was pretty I'm pretty sure I can tell in the tone of the text, he was upset because he was trying to tell, he was, he was being tempted to get angry. He was getting tempted to be upset. And I think a lot of times we let the enemy entice us too easily because we get too easily defeated. Because with the work of the Holy Spirit, you should be able to overcome it, right? That's what the Bible says. 
sometimes I sometimes I bo- that boggles my mind because I feel like I'm in the presence of God one day and then I'm sinning the next. How weird is that? We deal with that all the time. It's like I'm in the presence of God in one moment and then I mess up the next day. Like what? Like you ask yourself, like what is wrong with me? That's another thing the enemy puts in your head. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why do you do what you do? What's the matter with you? The enemy likes to put thoughts like that in our head when that stuff happens. And so I don't understand why. And David was being tempted in that same regard. He was about to try and fight Eliab when he was supposed to fight Goliath. But he did something in this text that I need you all to understand. Verse 29. Now what have I done, David said? Can't I even speak? This is what he does. Watch this. He then turned away to somebody else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David turned away to someone who could actually fix and actually get him to the place where he needs to go. That's what, that's what forgiveness and the grace of God does when you repent. It's like this. They call it, I guess it's in dancing or something like that. It's a pivot. Is that what it's called? What, 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 how do you pivot like this? No? Okay, so I'm having, it's different lingo. It's different lingo. Different lingo. So, so this, is what, this is what David does. He's looking at Eliab, right? And he's facing something that's a temptation. But I think if you're, if you're taking notes, which most of us don't really, but if, <laughs> I'm being honest, if, if, if you're writing this down or, 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 or remember this, remember this phrase, pivot towards repentance. Pivot towards repentance. Eliab was focusing on the wrong battle, on the wrong things. So this is what he did. He literally did this. And he flipped. I know that was whack. I can't, I can't move my podium. I don't want it to wobble again. It, he was focusing on something that could get him to a greater place and a better place. So this is what he did. He left what was struggle, he was struggling with and went to towards something that was going to bring him into victory. So you have to pivot towards repentance. Pivot away from what is bringing you into slavery. Y'all hear me? Pivot towards something that's going to take you away from what you're dealing with. And that's what Saul was. It's like, it's like God wants us to know, hey, leave that alone. It doesn't benefit you. Eliab is just an antagonizer. The devil is just an antagonizer. All he does is he antagonizes your sin. But what he does is David knew who to go to. That was the thing. David knew who he really needed to go to. I wonder if you can ask that same question. Do you know you can go to God to pivot against repentance? A pivot towards repentance, I'm sorry. Pivot towards repentance. Because a lot of us don't know how because we don't try. And that's the issue. A lot of people believe that God will just throw freedom on our silver pl- on a silver plate, but he pulls out the plate, but you got to grab the food. He puts it on the plate, you have to grab it. He can't just let it sit there and then you eat it with your mouth. You got to grab it. Repentance is not just something, it's an empowerment, but it's also an action. It's also an action. So David says, David says, I'm going to pivot towards someone who can actually help me. I'm going to pivot towards something that looks nice and tempting to get fussed at for, but I'm going to focus on Saul. 
I'm going to focus on pivoting towards repentance. He got stuck. And a lot of us get stuck in sin. A lot of us get stuck in it. But I need you to realize that that pivoting towards repentance leads you into a greater freedom. Into a greater realization of the glory that God has. And that's forgotten. And so I want you to understand, pivot towards repentance. Pivot towards it. These next two points are from experience. This is what I've experienced. How I didn't really drip as much holiness as I should have. Point number two is procrastinating the presence of God. Procrastinating the presence of God. What makes you procrastinate the presence of God? What makes you procrastinate it? I've realized, I've realized something because here's what made me procrastinate it. Two things. One, I thought it was weird because, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something real deep that I think no one's ever really told you before. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People will make it out to look that way. And I think you need to be set free from that because some of us don't enter the presence of God because we think we're going to have some like spiritual overly like, like ritual, like we're in like this like domain of, of a dungeon and we're trying to like stir up potions. No, that's not what the presence of God is. The presence of God is sitting in his presence. Think of, think of the person sitting right next to you. That's their presence. Their presence is with you. That's the same thing with God. It's a present. And when you're in present, and when you're in the presence of someone, it's comforting. It's a safe place, especially someone you trust. And you have a refreshing about it. But we procrastinate it because maybe we just don't care or we're afraid of it. I want to read Psalm 34, 1 through 8. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces were never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord helped him, heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and deliver them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. And it's David again. It's the same story with David. David experienced the presence of God. He was one of the, there was a lot of people that, that experienced the presence of God. But back in Old Testament, you really couldn't do it with the sin that you were dealing with. But David was chosen in a way like we are, like you are. Don't feel like you're nothing. You're chosen by God. And that's the thing that steps us into the presence of God. And that's what David did. David tasted and saw that the Lord was good. I want to encourage you with this, with, this, with this quote. Stop procrastinating the presence of God and taste and see that His presence is amazing. I'm telling you, if I could, show, if I could let you experience what I've experienced in a way, and you can, you have the authority to, but, but what procrastinates you from the presence of God? Is it obviously the, the sin you deal with? Or is it, is it certain things, certain people that stop you from the presence of God? What is that one thing that you know that distracts you from His presence? 
you need to know this. You need to identify that because that's probably a big reason why we can't get into the presence of God. Because we let the certain little things distract us. The things that we have. We have information in our back pocket. But it distracts us. And I don't say this like a parent. I say this like an older brother in a way. That's what stops you from the presence of God is when you let other distractions stop you. It could be things or people. But I need you to know this, that don't procrastinate because it is refreshing and good. It is refreshing and good. Third and final thing before I close is compromising your holiness. And, and this was something that, that I think we can all relate to. I've, I've um, compromised holiness in a way. And it's not just sin. I already spoke on that. You already got that, that fire from heaven, the sin stuff. But, but I think that, I think a lot of times with sin, or not sin, I'm sorry, with, with compromising holiness, you could be compromising down to someone's level. That's how you compromise the holiness that you have in your life. Is when you compromise your holiness and sing down to a level you're not even supposed to go down to. And I've done that before. I'm not, you're not by yourself in it. I've done the same thing. But I need you to know that it's easy to go down to a level, but it's harder to go back up sometimes. Because holiness is a lot of the times a standard. But because we compromise that with people or with things, like I said, it stops us. Stops us from reaching that. You have to stop compromising something just to please others. It's not worth it. It really isn't. The reason why is because if those people are helping you compromise, they won't be in your life for long. It's a why. It's not me being cynical. It's a wise thing. Season. There, I, be, I believe in a lot of times with seasonal friends. Sometimes friends come and go, but the Lord still stays in you. The Lord is still here. And you compromise your holiness. I want everyone to stand up and close your eyes. Let's shut off the lights and please you can hit the piano. We all compromise holiness. I've done it and I felt so guilty because I felt like I was failing God. But I realized something that that you're not perfect. And if you make a mistake, God's willing to forgive. He's going to cleanse that. But a lot of times, it's not just when we do it once, it's when we constantly do it. It becomes a habit to do it. And I'm going to talk about that next week. But but you have to realize something that 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 compromising, like I said, compromising your holiness leads you into a greater captivity because you're giving it to something that's not even worth it. And and I don't I say this to teach you and not bash you down with it, but but I want you to know that 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 you don't have to compromise for that, that you have a greater purpose. I learned something that a pastor told me once. He said, if you have a purpose, you don't have time to be petty. When you have a purpose, you don't have time to mess with dramatic stuff. When you have a purpose, you're fixed on that purpose. And I hope you can receive this tonight about dripping holiness because you can have it. 
Because here's the thing, it's not just in what you are and, and you experiencing it, but it's in your lifestyle. People have asked me and said, and said, why do you act this way? Why, why are you not, why are you not feeling the way I'm feeling? Like, why are you so excited? Why do you have this energy? Why are you so loving? I did nothing to you. Someone told me that one time. I did literally nothing to you, and you're still loving towards me. And I told them why. And that's how the gospel works a lot of the times, is when you are a living testimony to someone so you can share them the love of Jesus. Because there are broken, broken people out there. There might be some broken people in this room. And God wants you to know that, that you're loved. And that he's willing to, for you to walk into his presence with open arms. He wants you to drip holiness, but we can't when there's sin in our life. When we, not just because we're struggling with it, but we're living in it. We choose to live in it. Or, or maybe you procrastinate the presence of God so, so you don't really spend time with the Father. Or you compromise and go down to someone's level. This is more of a teaching. I'm not just preaching and trying to make you feel good. I want you to know the truth. And that God wants you to have a better holiness than, pe than most people. God wants that for you. But there are some things in the way. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, to end this service, I just want to take this one moment. We're not going to do an altar call or anything, but, but if that's you, if you struggle with dripping holiness with those three categories, no one's going to know your category because, because that's just, I'm not trying to expose you. But God wants to see your, your, your vulnerability and truthfulness. So if that's you, if you're dealing with sin, you're compromising the presence of God, or or you're compromising your holiness. I want you to lift your hand. Some hands up in the room. Thank you, Jesus. There's no shame in lifting your hand and being vulnerable with God because God already sees it. He just wants you to acknowledge it. He just wants you to acknowledge that, hey, Lord, I've been, I've been slipping a little bit. I've been slipping a little bit. God's willing to meet you there where you're at. Keep that hand lifted. Thank you, Lord. Now, even if you didn't raise your hand, I always say this, but even if you didn't raise your hand, you feel that tugging on your heart like, Lord, I do need to get right. If that's you, I just want you to acknowledge it. And I want to pray for every single one of you in here that deal with this stuff. Father, I pray a spirit of freedom over these students. And Father, I ask, Lord, that you are continuing to sanctify them, Lord. Sanctification is a process where we know growth is a process, but Lord, we ask, Lord, that you comfort them and Lord, that you show them the true way. Lord, if they're dealing with sin or, or procrastinating your presence or they're compromising the holiness, Father, I ask, Lord, that you show them the right way because I'm telling y'all, the Lord doesn't beat you down when you compromise. He wants to bring you back. He wants to teach you. He wants you to grow. So you have to go towards him. So Father, we ask, Lord, that you open their hearts to receive your holiness. Let them learn to drip the holiness that they can have in their life. And that they can show it to others and spread your love and spread your grace and spread your mercy upon people who don't even believe in you. Lord, we ask for this and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.